Before we get started, I want to talk about sponsors that help make this show possible. I've partnered with swimming companies that can serve our international audience. Superior Swim Timing. Run a swim meet with ease from your laptop. SST is fully compatible with high-tech, Team Unify, as well as Colorado, Dactronics, and Amiga touchpads. SuperiorSwimTiming.com Swim Angelfish. Receive the tools and skills needed to teach swimmers with autism, physical disabilities, anxiety, sensory and motor conditions with Swim Angelfish. Go to SwimAngelfish.com Destro Swim Towers. Gain strength in the water with a tower of power. Save $150 per double swim tower by using code BRETT, B-R-E-T-T, at checkout. DestroMachines.com The Magic 5. Custom-fitted goggles that are tailor-made for your exact face. You shouldn't feel like you're wearing any goggles. Use code BRETTHAWK20 at checkout to receive 20% off. Nate's come out with another awesome tool for the swimming community. It's called Swim Nerd Live, and it allows the data and times from your actual scoreboard to be broadcast and viewed in real time on any smart TV, phone, or other device. It has all the information you're looking for. Event, heat, lane, name of swimmer, times and places. One click on any device and they're watching your swim meet live in real time. Go to swimpractice.com to learn more. All right, we're we're on, man. Wyatt Collins, how you doing, man? Pretty good, especially after those uh, breakfast tacos you picked up for me. Oh wow, <laughs> the spot! Hey, if you're ever in Austin, Texas, uh, Cisco's is the place, eh? Yeah. Did, did Ed give you like a little bit of a, nope. a history lesson? On Nothing. No. Nope. So the way it's been told to me is when he got picked up from um, Auburn, right? Mm-hmm. When he was coming in for an interview, right? Daryl K. Royal, who is the then um, athletic director of Texas, picked him up from Cisco's. Oh, wow. That's kind of how the spot got started in oh, his mind or in okay. his world. Okay. And if you go back in time a little bit, Cisco's was the place where a lot of the politicians and the movers and shakers in Austin would all meet to have some informal, like, back room meetings mm. and dealings, right? Mm. So it's been kind of like an Austin institution for a while. Um, I'm surprised that it's honestly lasted this long since it's been oh, yeah. since the 50s. Yeah, I but, mean, there's this building that says, you know, basically 1950 on it, and then there's, like, brand-new apartments all around it. Yeah, well, and that, and that area of Austin that's called East Austin, it's, like, exploded mm. over the last three or four years. And so you have this – it's this weird amalgamation of, like, older mom-and-pop shops that have been around for decades and decades and generations yeah. that are trying to kind of reinvent themselves in different ways mm-hmm. to stay relevant. And you have brand new, you know, swanky yeah. bars that have opened, or breweries and apartment buildings and everything. So it's kind of the Austin feel right now, especially that side of Austin. But you could feel the history walking in there. We went in there for breakfast this morning, and wow, we had some incredible um, Mexican breakfast. Uh, I guess he's famous for his. Uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce it. Okay, but the migas. Well, the migas, but the huevos. Oh, wait, Huevos Rancheros? Yes. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was epic. I mean, uh, but you could just feel the history in there. You could tell some conversations have gone down in that place. Yeah, especially, did you guys, like, go into the back? No. Okay, so, like, if oh. you go into the back oh, rooms, okay. like, there's pictures of all oh. these meetings that took place back there right. that are all from, like, the 50s, 60s, 70s. Right, and right, Yeah, right. it's... It, it's that feel like you walk, feel like you're walking back in the time a little bit. No, I felt like if I got pulled back into the back room, I was not coming out. <laughs> <laughs> I paid the bill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All of a sudden you're washing dishes. Now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. But it, well, listen, in terms of history, you're in one of the most historical programs in the world. If, if not the most historical based on what Eddie Reese has done here over the past 42 years. So, um, you took over from another legend in terms of the the assistant coaching side 
I was always very jealous of the Eddie and Chris combination. Yeah, the duo. Yeah, the, the duo. duo. Yeah, it was all. It was like where 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 Eddie may have been weak, Chris was strong, and Chris sure. was you know they they just complemented each other so well. Mm -hmm. And I think there was a lot of just a lot of coaches staffs around the, around the country wishing they had that. Like man, what a combination! Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah, so then Chris makes his announcement that he's leaving. At that stage, where are you? Were you in this program at that point? So, I was, uh, yeah, I was a volunteer assistant. Okay. Um, so I was a volunteer assistant 20, I guess it started fall or winter 2013. Why did you decide to come here as a volunteer assistant? So if, if I back up even further, yeah. I started my college career at Boston University swam there for two years and ended up not loving the school um and ended up taking a year off mm -hmm. right so I, I moved back home with my dad my dad is the coach of badger swim club back in new york right. trained with him for just a year and dropped time enough to the point where eddie allowed me to walk on oh okay so i guess it was the end of the summer 2011 hopped in my car and uh drove down to austin texas Pretty much sight unseen. Hadn't met anyone on the team. Had only met Eddie once. Only ever had one conversation with him. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I swam here junior senior year, and then started volunteer assisting after I was finished. Wow. What was your strokes events? I was a middle distance freestyler. Right. Um, begrudgingly swam the mile. You know, <laughs> <laughs> not that it was my favorite, but I, I wasn't blessed with height or fast switch muscles. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> so. Well, in terms of a training perspective, what are the things you learned about Eddie's success, about Texas' success in the training group when you when you're in there? So, I mean, I think the 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 biggest thing that I learned when I first got down here was just how hard the guys here train day in and day out, mm -hmm. right? And that was the the big um, I don't want to say wake up call for me, but the Probably, probably the biggest shock, right? Coming down here, not ever being in a program of this caliber or being around swimmers of this caliber. And pretty much day one, it was just, it's just grind, right? Day in and day out, it's guys who are holding each other accountable, right. who even if they're having an off day, you have someone who's in a lane next to you or behind you who's having a great day mm. and they're pushing you to maybe do something you don't want to do mm -hmm. or go harder than you want to go. Mm -hmm. Even if you're feeling sorry for yourself, cause we're in the middle of like Rocktober or something. Right. Um, and so it was just that day in and day out kind of as cliche as it sounds that the pursuit of excellence, right? Mm -hmm. There was no off days. It wasn't like, Oh, well, you know, we had a hard day yesterday, so we're going to float today and come back tomorrow and, and rip something. It was, we're in the trenches every single day together and we're pushing each other to try to be the best we can be. When I was at Auburn, I had a hard time. Uh, I figured out I had a hard time letting walk-ons on, not because of the fact that I didn't think they had a good attitude or they were a good person. Mm -hmm. I, I had an issue with the fact that it was a struggle for them in that respect. Whereas you, you're going to get beat up every day. You got guys around you that are, are clearly better than you bigger, stronger, faster. How is that going to affect your psyche? How's that going to affect you as a person? I don't want you walking in here every day thinking to yourself, I'm going to get smacked around again. Yeah. And I think that's a really, it, it's a hard mental space to get into right? because no one is really good when they're getting beat every day. No. Right. It beats you down. Mm -hmm. It can break you down. Mm -hmm. It can break you period. You right. Know? Right. Um, and so it is something where, it, there's a balance to be found there. Um, and Eddie's always been really good about moving guys around from, from group to group. If, if it's a guy who's having a, a rough day or maybe having a, has had a couple hard practices in a row and isn't doing great, needs a little bit of a, a lighter day that day, you know, we may move him into the well and just say, Hey, just swim an easy thousand, kick an easy thousand and, and we'll see you tomorrow. Right. Okay. Did Eddie prep you at all in, in that? Did he set any expectations on you? Like, hey, you're going to come and walk on, and this is what I expect from you? No, I, I, you know, I think that's one of the things that's really great about the, the, the program here at Texas is a lot of it is 
it, it's it's the culture you walk into, right? And the guys are kind of what set that culture. Um, you know, it's a uniqueness here because there's no other program that I'm aware of where you've had the same head coach for 42 or 43 years. Move a little closer if you can. Yeah. 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 Better. Perfect. Yeah. Um, where it's been the same head coach for, you know, 42 or 43 seasons. Right. Where it's really his DNA has been imprinted on this program right. at this point. Right. Yeah. Like there isn't having, he's not having to set a new culture standard every year or mm -hmm. every five years. Mm -hmm. So you come into this team and the expectations are kind of set by the guys around you. That's very noticeable. Yeah. That's very noticeable. And you're right. It's, it's very unlike most other programs, if not all other programs. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to maybe speak for Cal because I've never been out there. But, but certainly most programs in the, around the country, it, it's continually having to be set by the coaching right. staff. Whereas here I walk on deck and you can tell that there's some sort of unspoken agreement between the guys that, hey, we're going to work hard today. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the that's why Ed loves having guys come down and, and not just walk, walk on deck for practice, but to spend a couple of days here or a week here because – like invariably you get a lot of coaches that maybe come down or they want to come down and say, Hey, what's the secret sauce? Right. What's the secret set? What's the one thing you guys are doing that makes you great? For sure. And it's just like, it's none of that. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's really simple, mm -hmm. but it's the people on the team and it's the culture that we have. And the only way that you're able to see that is in person. Right. Yeah. So it's awesome that you're down here and you're able to notice that. Yeah, well, listen. I've been a competitor of Eddie's for for, for many years, so I'm I'm sure I, I had many sleepless nights wondering what was going on down here. So, hey, look, I've spoken to a lot of people, uh, you know, coaches, even athletes that have gone from other programs to come down here. Yeah, you know, and 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 I've asked these questions of them, and they they all say the same thing. So it wasn't like I'm shocked by this, mm -hmm. and and this is my first time I've actually taken Eddie up on coming down to spend a few days with him. He's asked me multiple times. Right. Even when I was the head coach at Auburn, he said, Brett, come down for a couple of days. And I was Why like, never come? <laughs> my ego got in the way. Fair, it fair. did. It was fair. like, I'm not going down there to observe another head coach that, yeah. I, that I think You're I'm directly. Competing. Yeah. That yeah. kind of thing. And so it was an ego thing. And now I have completely dropped my ego mm -hmm. now. And it's like, Hey, I can just admire Eddie and the program and, and you for what you're doing. Um, and just give you guys credit because it, it's good stuff. But, um, you know, going back to that then, so you're a swimmer and then you, you transition into the coaching side as a volunteer. Yeah. How does, what do you see different between the guy who was just turned up to practice to now you're seeing a little bit more behind the scenes? Is yeah. there anything that jumped out there? Well, I mean, I think there's the, the first year of volunteer assisting, you know, I was right out of college, I was 23 um, still was kind of trying to figure out exactly what I wanted my path to be. Um, I knew I wanted to coach, but I didn't know if I wanted to do college, if I wanted to end up going back home to New York and coaching with my dad's club team up there. Um, but coaching was what you wanted to do. Uh, yeah, I knew I wanted to coach in some capacity. Right. Yeah, and that's honestly, that's one of the things that, again, it's one of those prophetic stories that I'm sure Eddie has dozens, if not hundreds of at this point but um when i was done swimming i mean he sat me down actually so I, I quit my maybe it was november of my senior year you just felt like that was done enough yeah i just felt like i had fallen out of love with the sport right in terms of in terms of swimming um i was in the distance group here which was it was just a grind right. and i felt like i didn't I, I didn't have that passion for it anymore so the day that i quit um, Eddie sat me down and said, Hey, look, do you still want to coach or do you think you want to coach? And I said, yeah, I, I definitely know I want to stay involved in the sport in some, some way, shape or form. And I think I want to get into coaching. He said, okay, well, if you're okay with it, I think you should come to the pool still, you know, a couple afternoons a week, maybe take on some sort of manager role and just start seeing how things mm. operate from the other side. Right. And you know, if, if it's something that really interests you or you think that this is a, a path that you want to go on, you know, 
then it at least gives you a little bit of a resume builder and you can kind of see behind the curtain a little bit. And so that's what I did my, my, my second semester, my senior year. Um, and, and Chris was the uh, assistant still at that point. Oh yeah. 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 So th right. this was, this would have been 20 late 2012, early 2013. All right. So not only are you now learning from Eddie, you're learning from Chris as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when I, when I became a volunteer assistant and I was, you know, volunteer assistant for three years, um, Chris was the guy that really brought me under his wing and wow. he was kind of a mentor to me. And he, I mean, he still is a mentor to me this day. I was talking to him yesterday. Like he's a big, yeah. huge, uh, mentor in my life. So he's a good man. Oh, he's, he's, a, he's one of the best. He's a good man. He's one of the best. Dude, I, I've had nothing but great interactions with that man from day one since I've known him. Right. And I think he's, he is someone who no one can fill his shoes, right? Mm -hmm. He's one of a kind. Yeah. I mean, same with Eddie, right? Yeah. I mean, they're both one of a kind. Um, and Chris is someone that I don't know if I've ever met anyone who has anything negative to say about him. Right? No, no, I think no, no, he's, no. He's an incredible person. If you do, you need to look at yourself in the mirror. Yeah, fair. Yeah, <laughs> you know? fair. No, exactly. Um, Good way to put it. But three, you listen to that, three years as a volunteer assistant. See, there's so <laughs> many people that aren't willing to put in the work. And, 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 and even when Eddie retired, I'm going to jump forward for just a split yeah, second. Yeah, even sure. even when Eddie retired, there there was talk of who was going to take over. Yeah, yeah. you know, but people don't understand the 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 time that you put in here. I mean, even just as an as an assistant, as three years as a volunteer assistant, right. there's not many people that would commit to three years as a volunteer. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I'd be remiss to not say that, like, I you know, I had a family that was able to help me out with it. Right. Right. So I didn't have to I, I had other jobs right but i wasn't ever in a situation where i was having to take out loans or anything for right. myself in like a really bad financial position right. um i did work like as a delivery driver for like 18 months or 24 months here with like favor which was they had just started in the area mm -hmm. and got some interesting stories about that but <laughs> um worked some odd jobs did some club coaching as well on the side just to to help pay some bills but yeah, it is. It is something where you kind of have to make that commitment, right? To to grind and to maybe put yourself in mm -hmm. in a less than enviable position for a while, with the hopes that something's going to pay off down the line. And um, I knew this was a place that I wanted to be. I had no idea, obviously, that Chris was going to retire at some point. Mm -hmm. I had no idea that I would ever be in the position I am now. But it's my alma mater. You know, I had an immense love for, for Texas, for Eddie, for Chris. And I felt like I was helping out in some way. Right. right. And I felt like this was a place where I could learn from Eddie, learn from Chris, work with some of the best in the world. Um, and then it would help wherever my career took me next, right? Whether it was club coaching, college coaching, whatever the next chapter would be, I'd be better off for it. In, in a position like that, I, I know it, uh, I've seen it, and, and I even started there myself with David Marsh as, as kind of the lowest level assistant. I was never the volunteer, but certainly the lowest level assistant and, and climb those ranks a little bit more rapidly than you, but uh, <laughs> but, but climb them. And um, so, but, but a lot of that is just menial work. Like you gotta just do the grunt work. It's, it's right. like, it's not the sexy coaching stuff. Everybody wants to write a workout, run a workout. Yep. But there's so much more beyond that in the in the college coaching exactly. system and that's, that you got to be comfortable with, right? No, I think that's you hit the nail on the head with the college coaching system, right? I yeah. think everyone, you look at what the product is, mm -hmm. right? When you're watching NCAA's and you see mm -hmm. servers going fast, you see coaches making decisions, right. you see you know relays tearing it up, and you think, oh, this is awesome! Mm -hmm. I get to show up. Mm -hmm. be on deck, write workouts, and work with the fastest in the world in the country. Yeah. But college coaching is like, mm -hmm. and you know it because you've been in it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. What, what would you say the percentage, you know, if you were to come up with a pie chart, what's the percentage that college coaches coach versus doing everything else, recruiting, administrative stuff, meetings? Oh, man. Oh, it, listen, when I became when, when I when I became a head coach, I was really upset that they called me head coach because it was not accurate. I was head manager. Yeah, right, <laughs> I, I managed I managed uh, the, the big picture, but I wasn't the coach. Yeah. You know, I had people that were on the deck doing some coaching now. Yeah. You know, so look, I wanted to just coach and, that, and that's all we want to do as coaches. 
but there's so much more beyond that. And I'm sure as a volunteer assistant and then, and then coming in and, and taking over from Chris in terms of just observing what Chris was doing at the time, what are some of the things that you saw him doing and maybe he mentored you through and, and obviously now that you've transitioned to that position, so not necessarily what Eddie was doing, but what was Chris doing? I mean, Chris was doing a lot of the, a lot of that stuff we were talking, just talking about that pie chart, right? So administrative stuff, right. office stuff, recruiting, right. um, you know, playing the role of, of maybe not always being the one who's writing the workouts, but is developing relationships with the guys. Right. So that they're trusting him. If they're having issues, they're talking to Chris about things, whether it's during practice, before practice, after practice, um, you know, being a little bit of the team psychologist in right. some ways, right? Mm-hmm. Travel manager, mm-hmm. all that stuff. So, you know, yeah. he was he was wearing every single hat, yeah. you know, that you possibly could and simultaneously switching amongst them, depending upon what the team needed, what Ed needed. Um, it's just kind of the jack of all trades, right? Yeah. And have you noticed that now that you're in that position, it's very similar for you now? Oh, yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. And I knew that going in just because I had seen what what Chris's role was, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that when things, when, when Eddie, or sorry, when Chris retired in 2016 and Eddie asked me, you know, to stick around and take over for him, I mean, it was a, it was a no-brainer decision for me to take that job but i remember chris like sat me down in this office actually and was like all right here's what you need to know right Right. this is what you're gonna what you're gonna be walking into and Mm. you just need to know that this is this is what the job's gonna look like and i knew all that because i'd seen it for three years right um but yeah it's it's uh it's taken on a lot of those various roles and maybe as you had said some of the unsexy things Mm -hmm. but um it's part of the job. There's an incredible balance between, um, you know, being the best assistant to Eddie that you could possibly be uh, for, for Chris and for you, mm-hmm. and then um, taking on a certain role at a certain point. You know, you said Chris was the team psychologist at some point. You know, you don't want to take everything to Eddie, but you certainly don't want to be keeping things from Eddie either. So how did you notice those two? How did Chris strike that balance? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think there was when, when I was a volunteer assistant, we kind of had this hierarchy. I don't know if that's exactly the right. right word, but you know, as as a twenty three to twenty six year old, guys may be coming to me with things that they wouldn't bring to sure. Ed or Chris. Sure. And the idea was, all right, if it's a big enough issue, kicking it up to Chris, right. who's then sitting down and thinking if it's a big enough issue we're kicking it up to eddie right mm, gotcha. um and that's how that kind of all transpired right was there ever any uh ego or is there any ego for you in this position where it's like you want to take some credit for for this problem being solved or someone's success I, i've noticed that sometimes in, in many different programs where you get a young ambitious Mm-hmm. assistant coach who who wants to be recognized who mm-hmm. wants to be noticed have you ever felt that internal struggle in yourself i mean i'd be i'd be lying if i sat here and said no right i mean i think anyone if they said no to that they'd be lying oh. um there are certainly situations where you know i with se- selfishly yeah. selfishly sure. i want some credit for things right, right? but i also know that it's part of the process. It's the way this stuff goes. And I think one of the things that Chris was really instrumental in, not only in my life, but just in the team's life and his longevity here as the assistant coach was you come through the doors of Texas and you realize you're bigger. You're part of something bigger than yourself. Mm. And there is a bit of an ego check there where it's look, you're trying to put the program first and what's best for the program may not always be what's best for you personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but being part of Texas Longhorn swimming and diving family is putting the team first. And so, yeah, there's situations where I selfishly, my ego sometimes makes an appearance and says, Hey, I want some credit for this, mm-hmm. or I wish I got some credit for this, sure. but yeah, 
you know, you put it in check pretty quickly and you mm -hmm. realize that the place I'm at, the guy that I'm working with, the guy that I'm learning from, the team that I'm part of, you know, you you operate as as you're supposed to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you gotta pinch yourself at times and say, Hey, I'm I'm in a in a good spot. I don't need to force this more than I already have. I'm I'm already in a good spot, you know. Exactly. Yeah. I mean I think I do I do I have like misgivings with with the job sometimes? For sure. Mm -hmm. Everyone does, right? Yeah. No job is completely perfect. But I think I'm working at Texas, I'm working with Eddie. Mm -hmm. There are way more people that have way bigger issues in, yeah. in the industry yeah. than I deal with on a daily basis, right? Right, right. Um, in terms of getting the job, you talked about, you know, they pulled you in when you found out about it and all that sort of stuff. Was there ever any talk of opening the position up or interviewing other people for the position? Or was it always just an automatic, Eddie came straight to you and said, hey, do you want this? Yeah, so the, the, way, it, the way it all transpired was so cubic like but we're going into trials in 2016 and uh chris actually brought me it was right before we left for omaha he brought me this letter that was in an envelope oh. and he said hey these are my predictions for how we're going to do at trials mm. i want you to sign over the back of the envelope the back of the flap so you know that i didn't go in and change anything when we get back We'll open it up and see how close I was, right? And I, okay, cool. It sounds like a like a, a fun exercise. Mm. We get back from Omaha, maybe it's 10 days after, and we have a team meeting. Chris sits down and he whips out that envelope and he's like, hey, what? You remember this? And I said, yeah, of course. I guess we're going to be going over the predictions, which I thought was kind of weird in front of the team, mm. right? But he opens it, pulls out a letter, which is like a typed letter. Wow. And I remember thinking to myself, that's also a really weird way to make predictions, you know? <laughs> um, and I was sitting next to Lacone at the time, actually. Mm. And he starts reading this letter, and it becomes pretty apparent within the first sentence or two that it's like a resignation letter. Oh, wow. And, you know, Eddie's crying. Lacone's sitting next to me, and he's asking, like, what's happening? Is, oh. is Eddie retiring, too? And I'm like, I don't know any of this, <laughs> oh, wow. right? This is all news to me. Mm. And so Chris... <laughs> And this is also a very Chris-like thing. He was like, all right, well, we're going eight ones on the top. All right, we're leaving oh, 20 God. seconds. People are crying. Yeah. And Eddie's, you know, beside himself. Carol's there. She's crying. I'm bawling because mm. it's just, you know, it's the end of an era. Yeah. No other way to put it, right? Yeah. Um, kind of dynamic duo that mm. you had referenced yeah. at the beginning of the, the podcast with him and Eddie. Yeah. Right? And there was a lot of speculation for a really long time that, right, they were going to retire together. Mm, yeah yeah there was and i so, had heard that yeah yeah and so it was this oh my god what's happening mm. um and so i'm in tears um and chris is kind of a reference earlier too he was he, he's a huge part of my life mm -hmm. still is to this day um i put him on a, a really high pedestal and so for me it was just a, a it was a a gut punch mm -hmm. you know and so I'm bawling. Like I remember Carol walked over to me, we're hugging, we're both crying. And Eddie just walks over and he's like, All right, so you taking the job. Oh wow. And I was like, Wow, right there and then. Yeah, right there and then. Like Ooh. yeah, exactly. And so that was like a weak in the knees moment, right? Mm -hmm. Where I'm just like, What the heck? My life is about to change drastically. And at that point I was I was actually about ready to move back to New York. I had given up my apartment here in Austin. Oh. I knew like trials was going to be my last meet with the team. Oh. Like, that was already oh, so established. Oh, it was coming to an end for you too. Yes, okay. exactly, exactly. Um, and I was like, and give me like give me ten minutes, right? Like give me ten <laughs> minutes to like think think about some stuff and and kind of decompress from this, process this. Yeah. And again, like I think I was sitting talking to Chris and maybe not even 10 minutes later eddie walks back over and he's like all right so what's the answer and i'm like come on man and i was like oh yeah the answer is yes the answer is yes like i'm gonna i'll take this job you know wow. I want this job wow. um 
so as far as I know, like there was never, there was never a search. There wasn't any sort of no, there was uh, not contemplation. Oh. Oh, that's <laughs> <laughs> we just lost, lost the lights. Yeah, that's, uh, we have to move, I guess. It's a motion sensor over there. <laughs> yeah, actually. There oh, there it is. We're back. Wow. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. We've got to move it, uh, yeah. occasionally. Yeah. Um, we're in, this is what, a, a, a shared office between you and Eddie? Yeah. Yeah. There's the, the women's offices across the way. Um, and this is the men's office. This is more or less a kind of a storage room <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at this yeah. point. But, um, but yeah, so yeah. So he gave you, he, he, he did a 10 minute search and he found someone. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he had to look very, very far. <laughs> well, what is it then? Like, it, it, listen, that you have some attributes that obviously he needed and wanted and, and see something in you. You obviously have a talent for this. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I talk to people. They tell me you're incredible. So it, what can you tell from yourself that you feel like you do well? I mean, I've always thought one of the, one of my strengths is I connect with people really well, right? you know, and I think that's something that maybe it, it's a skill that I think a lot of coaches overlook for sure. Right. Because yeah. most coaches want the, they want the X's and O's of writing up workouts, yep. working with super talented people, pushing them to break records, be the best they can be, yep. you know, win titles, whatever, whatever accolades they're looking for. Um, but I think the kind of the pursuit of connecting with swimmers on an individual level and having some sort of trust there, some sort of relationship that they know that you care about them as more than just a swimmer, right. Or more than just the time they're putting up on a board that, you're going to care about them, whether they win or lose, that you're going to respect them, whether they have a gold medal or bronze medal or no medal, or, you know, if we're going to NCAAs, whether we have a number one trophy or a number four trophy, right? Um, well, you definitely took that from Chris then, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, that's something that, that he's, he's always been great. Yeah. At. I mean, honestly, some of the, some of the greatest, greatest moments that I've had on deck here at Texas some of the things that I've, the memories that I'll cherish the most mm -hmm. whenever I leave this place is morning practices with Chris. Yeah. So like the way we would, the way we do morning practices here at Texas, we offer all five mornings. Mm. Monday is mandatory and all the coaches are there for Monday mornings. The whole team is there. Right. Then um, each individual summer, they get to pick two of the other four mornings to come to just based on their class schedules. Right. Right. Um, and then the coaches kind of rotate. So Chris would do Tuesday, Thursday mornings, Eddie would do Wednesday, Friday. Hmm. And we've, we've kept that structure, you know, to this day, but I would go to all mornings as a volunteer assistant and Tuesday, Thursday mornings are usually lighter mornings, like less people would come to those. And I would just come here and sit with Chris. Yeah. Right. And those are some of the best moments of my life yeah. where we would just talk anything mm -hmm. right some of it was philosophical some of it was life talk some of it was me asking him questions and, mm -hmm. and just kind of going along and seeing where they went but i remember one day asking him hey what do you think makes a successful coach and he kind of thought about it for a little while and he just said you know i've always thought that i know that i will do a good job as a coach if my summers go off they graduate and they're still calling me mm. five years, 10 years, 15 years down the road. They're inviting me to their weddings. They're sending me pictures of their kids. Right. Cause he's, he was, you know, he said, that's how I know I've had an impact. Right. Like winning the medals. Great. Winning a banner or hoisting a banner. Awesome. But those other intangible things, that's where, you know, like you've either made a friend for life or you've had an impact on someone in a really positive way that they want you to be part of their life for the rest of it. Right. Well, honestly, that led to the banners and the trophies and the gold medals. Right. You know, like when you have that, you have a, a solid foundation where people trust you, people want to swim for you. Yeah. They want to get better for you. Um, they're, they, they feel humiliation when they let you down or whatever it is, you yeah. know? So, yeah. 
yeah, so it runs run through a wall for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that so that it leads to that. that. Yeah, it yeah. leads to that. So that that's great that you had that in Chris, and now that they they have that in you, um, because there's no doubt. I talk to guys currently, and and they're like that. That's why, man. Like <laughs> I, I can come to him. So you, you're doing a great job with that. Um, when I was working with David Marsh, it was very difficult to develop. Um, historically speaking as as a coach because you know as a, as a coach you learn uh, you're taught all right learn this theory um apply this theory work you know uh adapt it whatever it was where, where david was more artistic where it was more free to mm-hmm. where he was creative and, and from what i've seen and heard of eddie it's it's similar that you you know what you're doing uh, in terms of the overall general philosophy, but you never know what you're doing until you turn up on the deck. And, it, and it's hard to develop as a coach like that, or, or, or maybe it's easy because David would always say to me, all right, we're doing this today. And then we would finish the warm up, and he'd split the groups and he'd say, okay, you got that. You got them. Right. I'm like, whoa, 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 hang on. I thought you said we were doing this. Yeah, we were we were doing that, but now we changed change my mind. You yeah. go and take them and, and spend thirty minutes with them over there. Yeah. What do you want me to do? Make them better. Figure it out. Yeah. I'm so, <laughs> and so I get the sense that that's how Eddie you learn under him too. Was that difficult for you? Yeah. I mean, I think there's. I think it was yesterday you were on Instagram Live and you asked me something about that. You yeah. Know, like, what's your? Do you are you a planner? Yeah. Are you someone that likes to shoot from the head? Right. And I, you know. I default towards being someone who likes to sit down with a notebook and plan stuff out, right? Yeah. Not necessarily to a T, but at least having an idea of what I'm looking for or what we're trying to do in a given practice. Um, Eddie obviously is is very different where he shoots from the hip, mm-hmm. right? And I think one of the greatest strengths of, that, that he has is his ability to, he may walk in those back doors for a practice and have an idea of, all right, I want us to do this set, mm. but after warm up, he may look at the guys and say, "Damn, they're looking really, really tired today." Yeah, maybe the set that I had in mind isn't going to work today, and let's maybe shelve that for tomorrow. Let's do do something different. We'll shift. We'll um, kind of audible, right? Yeah. And so, I think even though that's not my default mode of how I like to operate or like to plan out practices or coach being put in those situations where yeah for our warm-up might may end and yeah. he looks at me and just says hey you take right. those guys <laughs> you got them mm-hmm. you know come up with something for the next 45 minutes it's it, it gets you out of your comfort zone yeah and allows sure. you to grow as a coach and grow yeah. as a person right i mean yeah. i don't think nothing nothing really gets done when you're in that like box of comfort, right? right. Where everything right. goes exactly perfectly right. And it's the way you want it to go. Mm-hmm. Um, real growth, whether it's in your career or in your life, it, it comes from outside that box. Right. And so mm-hmm. you get put in those situations sometimes and it makes you think you have to be on your toes. Um, and yeah, other times where it can be frustrating. Sure. But I think far more, there are situations where afterwards I'm thankful for being put in that situation. And I like, you end up coming up with a practice or a set that actually worked out really well. And yeah. And yeah. Hey, you know what? I'm going to keep that one in the back pocket. Right. Or yeah. I'm gonna write that down when I get home mm-hmm. because I like that. Um, did you do that? Did you do that with, with either Chris's workouts or Eddie's workouts um, coming up through the ranks? Did you ever take notes? Rarely. <laughs> right. So, yeah. okay. Well, that's interesting. Um, so, so you don't have like a, a catalog of Eddie Reese workouts anywhere or a catalog of Chris Kubik workouts. Honestly, anywhere. the, it, it, the, the best place to look for that is, uh, is Cal, uh, Chase, who's our volunteer mm. for two years, wrote every single thing down. Right. So he's got them. I would, I would <laughs> yeah, I imagine somebody must've done something uh, like that. I would always say to the, to my assistants or my volunteers at Auburn, I'm like, Hey, write this down. Cause I'm not going to. Right. And, and you're right. Sometimes you'd, you'd be under so much pressure to come up with something at the end of it. You'd think, wow, that was incredible. Yeah. Like that just clicked right, right. there. Cause I was, I was forced to figure something really good out. Exactly. And I, and I remember, I, you know, when I coached uh, Caesar in 2009, he broke the world record. We were doing some incredible stuff mm-hmm. back then. And a lot of people attribute the suit 
to his performance, but I'm telling you, there were some really good workouts being oh, written. I bet. I bet. <laughs> but, uh, but I didn't write anything yeah. down then, and I, and I didn't know he was going to break the world record. Yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> I'm like, to trust me, guys. Yeah. Trust looking back, I'm like, man, I wish I had a record because now everybody just says it was the suit. And I'm like, I promise you, we did some yeah. good workouts. So <laughs> you must have some moments like that where you have a season where, you know, like there, I remember there a time where, you know, Texas had six guys in the 100 fly at NCAA mm -hmm. yeah. and everyone's like, how'd you do that? You'd love to look back on the season at that point and be like, yeah, yeah there's some points there. Yeah, I mean, it's every once in a while someone will ask me like, hey, what are, you know, what's some pretty incredible sets that you guys have done recently? Right. And, you know, yeah. I can remember certain instances where guys had good practices sure. or maybe guys did something that was really impressive in a, in, in a send-off or something, but yeah, because we don't write anything down. Yeah, sometimes you just it gets lost by the wayside mm -hmm. a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and I have this season, I've gotten into a habit of writing stuff down more frequently. I don't write the practices down every day, right? But try and have like five or six practices written every week just to be able to look back on and kind of have a gauge for how the week's gone and take some notes here or there right. about various guys and what they've done that what they've done that given practice or given set gotcha yeah that makes sense um he, it's, tell me this then so then then eddie a few years later uh makes his announcement that uh he's going to step down and retire when did you first hear that news and how how'd that come about uh it was Oh, if we count Wednesday night at NCAAs as, as session one, right? right? Yep. It was session three of NCAAs this past year. It, so was, it was the Thursday finals. Thursday finals. In the middle, yeah. middle of, might have been the diamond break. <laughs> so it was after, <laughs> after the 53. Um, why, but why the 53? I, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know. But yeah, he, he sat me down on deck um, and told me, look, Monday, I'm going to go into Del Conte and I think I'm going to, going to retire. Were you, guys, were you guys winning the meet at this stage? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, we were. So it's it's really, it, it's one of those, another crazy just Eddie story, right? Where at that point in the meet, we were down probably 50 points to Cal. Oh. So... They did, did really well in the 500, the 2IM, and then they went 1-2 in the 50. Oh, okay. And Eddie and I had that conversation. He told me that that's what his plan was. Did you think it was an emotional decision at that point? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then Jordan Wendell and Noah Dupair 1-2 diving we win the four medley relay and then we go on the next morning to have, I think it was probably the greatest morning that Texas ever had in civilized where we had four up in the 4am. Um, we had three up in the two free. We had guys scoring in, in every single event and that kind of put the meat away for us. No, um, he didn't change his mind in, at the, in the urinal or anything like that, did he? No, 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 no. At least not that I know of. <laughs> But at that point, you're you're well, you're still probably freaking out a little bit. They're having this incredible meet now; it's oh, yeah. turned around. Yeah. But in the back of your mind, no one else knows this. But you're you're thinking, what are you thinking then? Yeah, um, I was trying to think about it honestly, right? I mean, because yeah. it, it just because it's, it's going to affect you emotionally too, right? I mean, it's a whole other it's a whole other thing that's going to yeah. have an, have a ripple effect on everyone, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, I was, I, I really wanted us to win, obviously for a number of reasons. But after hearing that. And after hearing that, you know, Eddie was planning on retiring to be his last NCAAs, it, it was actually the the 40th anniversary of Eddie's first NCAA title. Oh, wow. Almost to the weekend. Mm. Um, and so selfishly for him, mm -hmm. I was like, we have to win this now. Right. <laughs> you know, if this is his last NCAA title or his last NCAA championship. Sure, yeah. Win it for him. Have it be fifteen. But you can't tell anybody that. No, no, no. Exactly. <laughs> so this is I, I, I talk to myself a lot. You know? a, lot a lot of sleepless nights at NCAA. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you know that. Yeah. Right? So. <laughs> Definitely. Oh wow. But uh, well, then it, then it's a good feeling for you that the tide is turning and things are, go, are clicking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it still came down to like the last final session. Right? Yeah. I mean, it was still um, a super hard fought battle between us and Cal. Um, 
but the guys did enough of what they needed to do, right, to to keep it keep it in our favor. And and uh, we had some guys step up big time. And you know, it was it was a it was a full team effort where every single person on the team, sixteen swimmers, four divers, every everyone scored at least a point, right? Which right. was a cool That's kind nice, of yeah. just total team effort way right. to do it. How do you and Eddie collectively get the best out of your guys on 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 the Saturday morning, especially because you got you got to show up Saturday morning yeah. or, or it's dead. So, what's the vibe like for you and Eddie Saturday morning? Are you getting together before the team meeting? Is he saying I'm going to say this, or are you just or are you just letting him? Or what? Talk to me about Saturday morning specifically. Yeah, I mean, I think from a from like a swimming perspective we always like to think our Saturday morning just comes from how hard we train. Right. right. And it's, we want to be good three days or now three and a half days. Right. Yeah. And it's not just a session or two here or there, but, um, but it's head to head at that stage. And you've got a team that is just as good as you. Right. So it, it, it does go a little bit beyond that. Mm -hmm. So it's like when we have, we do have meetings before each session. Right. Right. And so I think there are, there are, days where Eddie and I may meet beforehand and just, he may say, Hey, look, this is what I'm going to say. Mm. And I'll say, okay, well, I'll pick up this, pick up that. I'm mm -hmm. going to remind him of this or talk about this. I think most of the time Saturdays is kind of just a, we show up, I let him talk right, and he's going to say whatever he's going to say. And if, if I feel like there's somewhere where I need to put something in or add something in, then I'll, then I'll speak up. Right. But, does Eddie do motivation speeches on days like that, or is he more of release, relax the tension a little bit? So I would say he's he, he gives motivational speeches, but they're not like a, a raw, raw, in-your-face, like high testosterone right. motivational speech, right? It may be a story of maybe a, a Texas team of years past, mm -hmm. right? Or it may be... Um, some sort of uh, story about a guy that swam here, right? That had overcame some adversity, right? right. And why that makes us Texas, right? right. Or um, what has led us to this point throughout the season and why we're here right now. Mm -hmm. um, but I would say he he likes to keep things light. I mean, you know, Ed, like sure. he's not someone who's, he's not going to walk into a team meeting when the meet's in the line and all of a sudden keep, a shit ton of pressure on right, everyone. Right, right, right. He's the kind of guy that's going to tell some jokes, right. have some really, really wise and maybe prophetic story, mm -hmm. and say, "All right, you know, you guys, I believe in you guys. Right. We've trained for this moment. Let's go do it." Gotcha. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. That would make perfect sense. Um, so then, fast forward a little bit. Eddie, Eddie does make his announcement. He steps back. Uh, when when Chris retired there was a 10 minute decision to be made at that point was was there any talk now that eddie's retired from him or or from anybody that you were gonna you were next in line yeah i mean i think the the the, the talks that happened were, were always that look i'm gonna have an equal shot of interviewing for this and having an opportunity for this to be you know, my next step. Did you want that at that point? Yeah, hundred percent. Okay. I mean, I, I, I want to be here for this team. You right. Know, it's something where, um, I don't want to coach anywhere else. Um, I don't want to leave Austin. This is my, this is my home. Mm -hmm. It's my alma mater. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of love for this program and for this, for this team and for this school. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of these guys are, you know, I recruited most of them here at this point, right? So they're they're guys that I believe in, they're guys that I trust, and they're guys that I want to help get better. There's not many people that you could sit in a room with who could say they've taken over from a legend. <laughs> and um, I'm one of those people. Yeah, right. <laughs> I actually took over from two legends. I took over from David Marsh, who passed it on to Richard Quick, two of the greatest coaches in history, right. other than Eddie Reese. And um yeah. And, and I took that position um, somewhat blindly. And uh, any advice? <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I, I think you've done it well, and I think you've been in the program longer than I was. At that stage, it was really only my third year, um, but you're taking over from a legend. And the um, it's very difficult, no, no matter what you do, right. 
it's always going to be compared to Eddie and, and people are always sure. going to say, well, Eddie would have done this. Eddie, Eddie should have, you know, and, and there's going to be questions in, in terms of that. Um, then there's going to be your own expectations of trying to live up to all the success that Eddie's had, yeah. you know? So it's oh, yeah. like, you're going to have peop other people's expectations. Then you're going to have your own internal stuff that you've got to somehow deal with. And then collectively when they combine the two of them, right, right. Not, it's not a lot. Comments, right? <laughs> no, no, I think you got to, you got to move away from that. But uh -huh. I think, um, I think you also have to not try and be Eddie, you know, like uh, I right. certainly couldn't be Richard quick. I wasn't Richard quick. Yeah. Um, is, is that something that you felt like you learned early on or that you had to go through a few seasons to realize? I think I, f I felt like I was just, I felt like, oh, that's the blueprint. We'll just yep. copy the blueprint. We'll do it exactly the same mm -hmm. way. And, um, and, and I think there's, and that's, this is where the balance is. There's good and bad to it is like, you want to keep some stuff yeah. because you don't want to just come in and scrap everything and no. say, I'm doing it this way now. Yeah. It's just, it's a new it's, in town. yeah, it's too <laughs> much changed. But then, but then you've got to figure out, well, what's, what's Texas. Yeah. What, what just stays no matter if it's Eddie or anybody, mm -hmm. what's Texas, what's Eddie and what's me. Mm -hmm. And what's the combination of the three things? What can I keep that's Eddie's? What can I keep that's Texas's? What do I want to bring in that's mine? Right. That balance is difficult, and and I can't give you the answer to that one either. Yeah, you know? well, and look, that that's something that honestly I went through with with taking over for Chris. Sure, right. right. So it yep. was look, that was my first first. This is my first paid coaching gig. Yeah, right in college. Yeah, um, taking over for Cubic. Yeah, and especially the pedestal that I put Chris on as this like larger than life character. Um, there were the, the first year or so, I mean, I drove myself crazy sometimes trying to say, Hey, what would Chris do in this situation? Yes. How can I channel Chris? How mm -hmm. can I be more like Chris? Mm -hmm. How can I, you know, uh, do right by him. Right. right. And somewhere along the line, I just had to say, look, I'm not Chris. Right. I'm never going to be Chris. No one's ever going to be Chris. Right. And I can either be you know, a two bit Chris Kubik, mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. Um, or I can try to be the best Wyatt Collins that I can be and do things that I know I do well and play my strengths and help, help this program in those ways. Yeah. And yeah. that's yeah. a realization that like, you have to have. Yeah. And that's all you can do. And then I think you're at an advantage because you have gone through that. And I think that's why they should give you the job to be quite honest, because you have, gone through that process. I think any other coach that comes in here is going to struggle with that. It's going to be very difficult. I don't care who they bring in. That's going to be difficult to know what did Eddie do? What didn't he do? Right. What's Texas? What's not Texas? You know the answer to a lot of these questions already, and you've and you've gone through that struggle. Um, was there, there was a little bit of a time lag between when Eddie did retire and then when he came back, there was certainly uh, enough time I felt to make a hire. Right. Was there, were you interviewed at this point? Was What was the talks in that interim time? Yeah, I mean, um, I think one of the things that led Eddie to come back was, look, like the, the, the past year we were all involved in with COVID. Mm. It, was, it was hard for everyone. Right? Right. And I think one of the reasons why Eddie kind of first made his his announcement was that we got to NCAAs. It had been a long year. We were we were on deck way more than normal because of uh right. numbers of people we could have in the pool at a time, having to do multiple workouts each day sure. and and the stress of positive tests and mm -hmm. people having to isolate and quarantine and all that stuff. And I think Ed got to got to NCAAs and was just like I'm I'm dead tired. Right. Like this has been a long year and I think this is probably the best time to walk away. Mind you, I've got a story for you there too. Okay. I quit Auburn on the Friday at NCAAs. No way. It was the same thing for me. <laughs> I was burnt out at that stage. Yeah. And I, I went to lunch with my associate AD okay. and um, I just said, I want you to know at the end of the meet, I'm, I'm, I'm going to uh, quit. This is yeah. it. I'm done. So I, I actually made the same. Uh, so I can, as you're talking about Eddie's fatigue at that yeah. point, 
And that that decision, I, I take myself back to, is very similar. It's it's a lot of work. It's a lot of stress. Well, you're as a head coach, especially, right? I mean, you have it's like the hopes and dreams of, mm-hmm. of forty to sixty, depend you know, comp, combined program, right? Yeah. Athletes that yeah. you're dealing with, and it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot, and it adds up over years. Exactly. Um, exactly. But yeah, so then so then Eddie so, Eddie does this. Yeah, and, and I think he. That's one of the things where, I, you know, I kind of asked him when he had told me, look, let's not make a rash decision right. here. Maybe keep this in the back of your mind right. and maybe we can revisit it in two weeks or in a month after we get back and yeah. kind of decompress from everything. Um, but he was full bore ahead with it. I think, honestly, he felt like if he didn't do it then, he might not have done it. Right. And so he just wanted to make that decision and go with it. Sure. But as kind of the dust settled and we got further away from a lot of like the COVID protocols and things kind of started going back to normal, Mm. right. With things, he kind of realized, look, like I actually, the fatigue was definitely there, Mm -hmm. but I think it was all mostly brought on by what we had all gone through in the last year. Yeah. Right. It was a lot of the stuff that we had to go through on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. It was all of the screenings, the testing, Mm -hmm. the quarantining, the isolations, the being on deck for maybe eight hours a day, running all these workouts. And that's when he kind of was like, I actually think I'm, I'm good to go. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think I want to walk away. How do you feel about that? And I'm like, you kidding me? Of course. If you want to come back, like, let's do this. You're the greatest of all time. Mm. You should, this is your program still, you know, this is always going to be your program. This is a program that you built. And so if that's something that you want to do, then yeah, let's, let's put our heads together and figure out a way to make this happen. How long was that between his announcement to that conversation? What do you think the time frame was? So that was probably what his announcement that came after, I guess it was late March, right? Right. So probably started having some of those conversations maybe a month after that. So three or four weeks or so. Well, there's, there's no way that they didn't make some moves in those, in that month. I mean, there must've been some movement, wasn't there in terms of a search of some sort or a committee put together or. Yeah. I don't know. I honestly have no idea. Okay. Um, I don't know about, but no one, no one from Texas had come to you and said, we need to sit down and have a meeting. I, I, I sat down with, with Del Conte oh, for you a did. couple, yeah, a couple informal meetings. I yeah. gotcha. All right. Yeah. All right. Makes sense. That makes sense. Um, well, then I, I mean, inevitably it, it may happen again in the next few years, right. whenever he decides again, um, and, and you'll be here and, and you're doing a fantastic job with that. But um, do, you, do you think you'll get a fair shot at taking over? I, I, I hope so. You know, I mean, I think that uh, I know Ed wants me to be the next in line. He does. Right. Yeah. OK. Um, and he's he's talked to me about it. He's talked to recruits about it, talked right. to Del Conte okay. about it. Right. And so okay. that's that's. Having his blessing is is obviously huge, okay, right? Good. Um, and I think that uh, everything that I've heard through the grapevine is, yeah, I'm going to have a fair shot of it, and that, that's all I want, right? I don't want to sit here and have a guarantee. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's necessarily fair for anyone, especially at a place like Texas. Um, but I I just want to make sure that I'm getting getting a fair shot at, at things and making sure that I'm having the opportunity. Sure. This is where I want to be, and I think I've put a lot of time into this program and given a lot to it, and um, want to stick with it. Awesome, man! It's great to hear. I think that yeah. you're absolutely um, prepared for it. I think you can absolutely do it. From everybody I've talked to, like I said, uh, a lot of great stuff. Uh, a lot of a lot of people that really believe in you and have appreciated what you've done nice. for them and the program the last few years. So I definitely think you're capable. It just comes down to wanting to carry that weight on your shoulders. Right. Right. It's a big one. It is. Yeah. And I, I know that. I mean, it's, uh, it's something that Eddie first sat me down that conversation we had when I quit, right. He said, or when he asked me if I still wanted to coach and he, uh, he said, look, coaching, it's not a job, it's a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's something that I've always, always, uh, have taken to heart, right? Yeah. So I, I know walking into this situation, it's a it's a big 
it's yeah. a big one. Yeah. You know, it's not something that you just, uh, it's not a nine to five that you can clock out of and take weekends and just say, yeah, I'll be back on Monday and everything's going to be fine. Yeah. Um, it's stuff that carries, that comes home with you, right? Yeah. Being a head coach for a program. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, man, I've, I really appreciate it. This has been yeah. great. I was, I was planning on 30 minutes. Here we are an hour in. It felt, <laughs> it felt, it felt like 15. So, um, this is my first, uh, you know, face-to-face podcast and the lights go out just as we finish. I love it, man. Uh, uh, let's go. Yeah, there we go. go. Um, That's the, uh, the, the big budget in Texas. Perfect timing. But listen, uh, this has been awesome getting to know you and uh, good luck with the, the season this year. Um, seems like you got a great team. Yeah, I mean, the guys are – guys are training really really well um i know they're super motivated you know some of them coming off of being in tokyo some of them coming off of just missing tokyo mm. um having title defense in the line as well which mm. you you mm. know actually said some really nice things to our guys yesterday which we appreciate about that yeah um but yeah it, it's, it's gonna be a fun season i think look we're probably gearing up to having maybe the fastest NCAAs ever. Mm, I think with so. Yeah. Having fifth year options, mm. you know, people are, a lot of people are coming back for that fifth year. For sure. Um, I think it's gonna be exciting. It's gonna be fun, especially having fans in the stands after not having anyone there last year. Lends a little bit more of electricity to it, so it'll be good. I, I did say something uh, on a podcast that I think got under Eddie's skin a little bit, where oh, yeah. uh, where, <laughs> where I, I was talking about. The fact that uh, I think last year you guys had um, qualified something like 26 athletes for NCAAs. And I was trying to figure out how you get 26 qualified athletes for 9.9 scholarships. Because I I know it. I know it all. And it's like it was tough, man, to chop to chop 9.9 up to Mm -hmm. to even 15 athletes. But but you got 26 guys that then you got divers over there that deserve good money. You got you got Olympic athletes on your team. You got I mean. I don't know how you do it. Has Eddie allowed you to sit in on those conversations? And look, I, I, you're obviously doing, and you've got in-state kids, so that, that goes a long way. Don't get me wrong. But has Eddie, is that part of the grooming for you as well? Are you allowed to be in on the understanding yeah. of that so that maybe sure. when you do take over, it's a, it's a seamless transition? Yeah, and look, it's it, it's not uh, it's it's not anything magical, right? It's, it's really simple. Um we have a lot of guys that get offered a lot more money to go elsewhere. Is it true? Is it true? Eddie doesn't give full rides. Yeah. yeah that's just part of his philosophy. Yeah. We don't do full rides at Texas. Yeah. yeah. So like you're 9.9 scholarships. Yeah. We give two, two and a half of them to diving. Right. Right. So right off the bat. And they know, deserve it. <laughs> yeah. They deserve it. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. the best diving coach in the country. Yeah, for sure. um, we have incredible divers over there. And so you're doing all that with seven scholarships. Yes, yeah, seven and a half. In the pool, in, in, in the swimming pool. Yeah, oh, exactly. Geez. Exactly. And so, you know, it's, it's, um, we're very transparent and open in our recruiting process. We tell everyone this off the bat, you know, and uh, it's something where we're fortunate in that a lot of guys want to come here for less than they're getting elsewhere. And that allows us to build the team that we have. And they, and they know that coming in, right? Um, and part of that is, they want to come be part of this tradition, this legacy. Mm. They want to swim for Eddie. They want to have a chance of winning an NCAA championship. Yeah, you know, chance of going to go the Olympics. Um, but it, it starts with it starts with the guys on the team and the guys we recruit. You know, their their decisions allow us to build this team that we have. Yeah, because it's look, it's a pain in the ass to get academic money at Texas. I don't know why it's so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had many meetings about it yeah. with with powers that be, but um, yeah, it's, 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 it's really difficult to get academic money here. And so I know a lot of other places, you know, you can either supplement athletic scholarships with that. We've had some guys do it, but it's, it's not a super clear cut process. So guys uh, are sacrificing scholarship yeah. money to come and swim at Texas yeah. to be, to be honest. Yeah, yeah exactly. For sure. Exactly. And that's how you do it. And, and, and I didn't mean it as an insult. Sometimes the stuff that I say, comes out and it comes out like I just throw up on the table, you know, it's like, Brett, you know, come on, think about what you're saying. So I didn't mean it as an insult. It was more of a compliment of like, this is incredible that they can, I couldn't do that. Well, and that's, and that's, look, that's that's also, it's the advantage of having Eddie, Mm -hmm. right? 
has been here for 42 years right. at the helm. And I, I imagine like you could probably ask him this, if you're going to sit down with him later, yeah. I, I imagine that probably wasn't the case the first five or 10 years he was here. Right. 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 It's once you hit a certain critical mass that you can do that. Um, Are you worried that goes away when he leaves? Um, that's a good question, actually. Because um, it, it did for me. It, yeah. it, it happened. <laughs> I thought the magic was just going to stay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Richard Quick would right. just come in and they'd be like, yeah, I'll swim for you for 20%. And they'd be like, Brett, it's not going to work that way with you, son. <laughs> like, oh. Yeah, I mean, I think there there's certain things that are going to be an uphill battle, right? Yeah. If, uh, if, if I end up taking over. But yeah. um, it's stuff that I think I'm prepared for and yeah. we'll, we'll get through because of the guys on the team. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, uh, again, man, I, listen, this has been awesome. Great insights. Appreciate the conversation. Thanks for yeah, sitting man, down with of us. Of course. I appreciate you coming down here. And yeah. hope you have a good good, uh, good couple more practices with us. And yeah. I'll have to bring you to some other taco places. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Wyatt. Thanks, man. Take care. Eh? Yeah, you too. All right, bye. So the Magic 5 Custom Swim Goggles. Now I got to tell you, I really love these things. I did the scan. I got the Magic 5 app and I held up my phone to my face. It took a scan of my face within 10 seconds. It shoots it off, gets processed. And within a couple of weeks, I get these brand new goggles that are custom fit to my face. No leaks. The gasket fits perfectly around my eyes. I got to tell you, these things look beautiful. They're they're good looking goggles. They're super clear. I can see out of the peripheral. Everything is as I would want it. Custom fit. Use code BRETTHAWK20 to get 20% off your own pair of custom fit Magic 5 goggles. These things are incredible. I highly recommend them. All strokes, breaststroke, backstroke, butterfly, freestyle. Perfect fit to your face. Get yourself a pair today.